really was like when I hit my big switch where I was like, holy shit, micronutrients are more important than macronutrients. You're never going to eat and get your micronutrients unless you focus on it. Every enzymatic function in your body requires minerals, right? And every neurotransmitter requires minerals. Overweight, bags under the eyes, balding. Like, what is going on, dude? Like, I look around, I'm like, this is like, we look like fucking lab experiments. I just kind of want, I see the world differently now and I want to solve the problems. This is Decentralized Radio. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ryan. The goal of this podcast is to help educate you on how to live your most optimal life. We will host industry expert guests to shed light on topics that matter. We are not gurus, rather two individuals who have had to pave their own path to health and vitality, independent of the centralized systems that plague modern society. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Decentralized Radio. Today, we got Vance on the line from Vegas. How's it going, Vance? It's going very good. It is very hot. Um, it's looking beautiful where you are, but it's, it's going good. It's a little cooler here, thankfully. It's been a weird summer. Coolest summer, I would say, in, uh, in Wyoming. I'll take it. Yeah, same in here. While. Ryan, I think you're feeling it, too. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's been, been nice. wonderful. How I'm you good. Doing? I'm just like, you can't really see it, but I'm using my one arm and I'm reaching over the corner of this, this, uh, this wall here. And I'm just touching dirt with this hand so I can be grounded. While <laughs> yeah, nice. Sounds like you guys just talked with Rob. Yeah. 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 We got, we've had a good lineup. So this would be a good fit too, because, uh, methylene blue and, and that stuff is, yeah, super knowledgeable and yeah, we use it and, it's it's all fascinating. It's all connected, kind of like decentralized health. So yep. it's it's really cool. But before we get into that, I also love you rocking the Regenesis shirt. This, That's shout out, shout out, Griggs. Yes, <laughs> I, he called me yesterday. Quick side story, and uh, I, he was like, hit me up. He's like, hey brother, you got time for a phone call? And like uh, the new growth on Twitter, it's always a sale. And I was like, oh god, all right, let's get going. And he's just talking to me. I was like, so what's up? And he's like, not much, dude. I was like. What? We're just chatting. He's like, yeah. I was like, you're the fucking man. We talked for like an hour and a half. Best guy in the world, dude. I love him. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I, I don't wear shirts often in the summer here, but when I have to, I, it's that's like one of three shirts. Or I have a couple of them, but yeah, they're so nice. Yeah, shout it's, out to uh, him, dude. He's a, he's a killer with a story, too. I love that guy. Yeah, probably by the time this podcast is out as well, we will have Ryan's out, so we'll have to yeah. link to that. But speaking of stories... Be cool to get into your backstory. It's a pretty unique. I mean, you know, you're working your way in MMA professionally and, you know, started a, a methylene blue, I guess, medicinal, you know, supplements company. Um, pretty unique. So how did that all go about? You know, I got my ass whooped and decided to go into business. <laughs> Essentially, a short what story, but not really, not really. No. Um, yeah, I uh I had a breakthrough moment. Uh I was out in Australia and I was training with Alexander Volkanovsky, who's the 145 pound champ of the UFC. So it was before his first Max Holloway fight. And we were we were camped out there. We were living next to the gym. And I remember I was talking to him and everybody about, you know, the fight coming up. And I asked someone what he was making on the fight. And when I found out the answer, it blew my mind. Um to be like that high level of a mixed martial artist, a champion caliber, and to be going in for the number one ranked spot and to eventually be the number one pound for pound, the compensation didn't make sense in my head. Um, now, I wasn't like business savvy back then. Uh, I'd 
you know, I had no concept of like even what a brand was. I just figured, you know, we prize fight, we fight, we go, we get paid. It's, you know, it's all about glory. And then when I realized how little he's getting paid and then that wasn't even the kicker. The kicker for me was when I realized how big some other guys were getting paid who weren't even like the top 15 best fighters in their division. So I was thinking of Sean O'Malley because Sean took his, uh, his like fight career and he made it into a brand and he started to stream. He started to podcast, he started to do all these crazy things outside of it. And then he was outside the top 15 driving a Lamborghini. Now it's not all about money. Okay. Especially with fighting. It's definitely not about money. But for me, what made me mad was that there is money in the sport and it's not going to the fighters. And so then I realized, okay, we have to change up the way we approach this. We have to make a brand we have to combine the UFC's brand with my brand. I don't work for them. They're not my boss now. We're actually doing a partnership deal where they're going to use, I'm going to use their stage and their brand and associate with my brand and their platform. And they're going to use my brain and let it go to mush for their uh, profits. So it changed everything for me. So when I had that breakthrough moment, um, I decided that I need to start getting, you know, doing something on the side that could build up fighting. And then I was also aware, you know, I'm 30 in a month. Um, I probably got six more years of fighting. So whatever happens then, that's beautiful. And I'm coming into like prime years of fighting and then I'm going to be an older fighter, but I'm still very, very young and I have a whole life ahead of me. So I had to start, you know, kind of getting in the back of my head, what's after fighting? What's after fighting? I don't want to just be a commentator and I don't want to just go back to construction and, you know, never, you know, never have a great payday or whatever it may be. So I was like, okay, we need to, we need to start pivoting so I can have a beautiful life after fighting. Because the problem I see with fighters is most of them go all in and they live the fight life, like exactly like what I'm doing, going all the way in, but they don't have a plan B and most of them didn't build a skill. And then it's a sad, sad life, dude. It is so sad to see someone who's so capable of like doing the hardest sport in the world and like growing and building and then have nothing given to them, no healthcare. No, uh, no way to provide for their family. And a lot of them, dude, a lot of them turn to the bad route, which is drugs or alcohol or whatever it may be. So the, the dark side of fighting is terrible. And a lot of it does come from like, you know, the promoters and the promotions not paying their fighters well. And they could actually, which is, it just pisses me off. It's the worst thing ever. But instead of complaining and being a victim, I just took matters in my own hands. So that's when I really started to get business like oriented with fighting and figuring it out. But the other part of that too is, I always got a huge bad taste in my mouth whenever I was like studying business and like sales and, 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 you know, it's like how to win friends and influence people. I don't want to win people. I don't want to influence people. I don't want to be a snake. I'm not trying to manipulate people. So I had to find something that worked for me. And then that's when I had my big breakthrough moment where I discovered a compound that I used medicinally to save me. And then now today I'm offering that to people and getting the most fulfilling feelings ever when I get those texts like, Hey dude, I couldn't get off the bed. I had long haul COVID. Now I'm, now I'm popping around buzzing with energy or Hey, like I feel like my brain's 10 years younger or I cured this or whatever it may be. And they're just like, I can't even like, you know, explain in words how good this makes me feel. And then that's likewise with me. I just am blown away by that. What I get to do for people and really just blessed. I mean, in the situation I'm in, I don't have to sell people. I get to offer something that can improve someone's life and like I get to thrive doing it. So I'm, I'm completely blessed in the situation. I'm, that's really, I'm yeah, that's really away. cool. So just quick, it, were you just doing construction like beforehand and then in the past few years have recently switched like to full-time professional uh, training and everything or like what's, what's the progression no. <laughs> of like, 
you know, you know, traditional ath- uh, like athletics or say you go to college and then you go to like the NBA or yep. something. So uh, I'm not as familiar with kind of the progression and grind for getting into, you know, pro fighting. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, any other sport, you go to college and like you might even get sponsors, you know, things are kind of paid for. And then if you make the big leagues, you ain't got to worry about nothing. You know what I mean? Like you have a coach, you have a dietitian, you have gym access, you have healthcare. You're going to get paid six figures to sit on a bench even. You know what I mean? Fighting is fucking, this is the kicker. Okay, so I've been doing low voltage contracting. So, and you're in high voltage, right? You're an electrician or you were, I mean? Okay. Electrical engineer. Uh, so I'm in semiconductors. Yeah, that's perfect yeah. for you and Rob. That's that's a conversation and a half. <laughs> yeah. So I was, uh, yeah, I still to this day, um, I'm a part of Synectix in Vegas, which is me, my dad, and my best friend. Obviously, um, thanks to Twitter and you guys, I, I have had to step down a bit because of the amount of uh, growth Meraki's had. I've actually had not done any contracting work for, I want to say, close to three weeks now. Um, just because literally I wouldn't be able to get orders out. So it's going well there. But yeah, um, I started elect- or, uh, low voltage when I was uh, about 23. Before that, I was working the pools in Vegas, which was like the funnest job ever. It was cool. But you know, I had to like build a skill and do something for real. I couldn't just dance at a pool and give people drinks anymore. But the whole entire way, you're training, training, training. So I was fighting amateur in Vegas um, until 2020. Uh, Amateur fighting in Vegas is different than everywhere else. Like if I was in just say like Montana has a ton of fights and stuff, usually take three or four fights and then you go fight pro. But in Vegas, we have the number one amateur organization in the world called Tough Enough. So it's like you almost make a pro career out of your amateur career. So the first time I ever fought in front of 16,000 people, I want to say was 2016 or 2015. So I'm fighting in these huge stadiums, bare shin, four ounce glove, full production sets and I'm still an amateur. So it's this crazy organization. So you basically, the way the route we chose was instead of fighting two or three fights in like the Midwest and then just taking fights here and there, like, you know, small venues, we're like, let's build up, let's work on the side for money and let's build up this huge amateur career and fight the toughest amateurs in the world who are going to, you know, probably make it to the UFC. I don't know what the ratio of like tough enough champions who make it to the UFC are, but I know it's like, I think it's greater than 50. So I went and won a belt with tough enough eventually after I think it was like seven fights. Um, it was killer. Did it in the stadium in Vegas. Uh, holds like 20,000 people. It was amazing. And that's like one more amateur fight. And then now the kicker is you go pro. Well, I decided to turn pro during COVID and didn't fight for like oh, a year and a half, two years. So when you do this route, it's a little bit different. Um, it's harder to get pro fights. So the way you get a pro fight now is you hit up a matchmaker, you know, and they find a guy and everything like that. And it is so it's just business, business, business. So it's they're trying to see how many tickets you'll sell. They'll find somebody who's going to sell tickets. Um, then you get someone who is going to sell a ton of tickets and they'll just give them like a guy who has no idea what he's doing, how to fight. And they'll set up the fight so that way they can have the ticket seller on their show. You know, it's it's just dirty business. It's it really is. So I um went pro uh and then had my debut against because we couldn't find anyone to fight. I had to fight a guy with ten professional fights already. He just came off a uh, bare knuckle knockout, and I think it was seven or ten seconds. He uh flatlined the guy like right away. He was a tough enough champ as well. And then so my pro debut, I got a main event in uh, Montana, which was awesome. 
Um, but that's like kind of the route I take. And so we do all of these things and we set up this huge pro debut for an amateur world champion in the country. And I got paid $700. So <laughs> obviously I have to keep working. There's no way out of that. Hey friend, thanks for listening. If you really enjoy this podcast, it would be really appreciated if you left us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or subscribe to our content on YouTube. This helps us get to a larger reach and a larger audience to spread this wonderful free education. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a wild, yeah. that's like, I mean, that I, I don't, I'll, I've never really actually spoken to anybody that's in that sort of athletic class. And so it's interesting to hear sort of like the ins and outs of, of like the, the hoops you have to jump through to sort of make a career out of, out of your dream in a sense. I actually want to know though, like, I, I know we're sort of jumping around a little bit, but how did you come about things like methylene blue and all of this other stuff that you've been doing? Like how, how did that become of your um, athletic life that led to you mm-hmm. developing business around these things as well later on? But how did you like discover these things? Because for me, and maybe Tristan too, is like we had, I mean, maybe it's similar for you, but we had medical issues that led to us looking for alternatives outside of like the generic medical system. And I find that athletes tend to be, at least the ones I've spoken to, seem to be on the more cutting edge, like using peptides and like using cold yep. therapy and, and infrared saunas and all these things in mm-hmm. their, in their athletic lives, uh, to maintain performance and increase performance. But I was sort of wondering how you came about things like methylene blue and sort of those practices. Yep. So that's, a uh, and I mean, I'm, I'm gonna do my best to shorten it down. I go on tangents, too much coffee this morning. Like always, I gotta fucking cut that shit out, but <laughs> Um, so methylene blue, what happened? So back to my pro debut, um, leading up to my pro fight, I was, uh, I was very health conscious because as a kid I had massive IBS and Crohn's disease. So it got to the point where they wanted to do surgery on me. I eventually cured it and went into remission. Um, and man, I had these horrible attacks, like, like 11 out of 10 pain for like eight hours at night. And I'd be like curled up in a ball I probably would have like grabbed the knife and just committed if I could have got off the couch, but I wasn't moving. You know, it was the worst pain ever. There were some blessings. I got really good at meditating during the time, but yeah, I had to cure it. And so I fell in love with health and nutrition because I realized like I could actually heal my body. And instead of going Western medicine and like them cutting everything out, like it'd be terrible. Um, they wanted like, I think they want to cut part of my colon out. And like, I was like, dude, I don't, you know, I don't want to end up pooping in a bag. So I was like, what can I do to change this? And so that's what started the route. Um, so when, by the time my pro debut came around, I was super health conscious. Um, one, I was obsessed with healing my own body. Two, is I was obsessed with performance. What can I do to catch an edge? What can I do to beat the guy in front of me? Like, Because at the end of the day, we're going to do combat. I want every single advantage I can have. I mean, we're going to be fighting in front of my friends and family. My mom's going to be watching. You know, I have to make sure that I have every chip stacked in my corner. And in my pro debut, I had an amazing fight. And then the kid, dude, the kid's 10 pro fights and he cracks. Dude, he's a farm boy. And he cracked me, cracked me hard. So I got stupid in there for a split second. And this is why MMA fighters should be paid more because I was having a flawless performance. And one second, boom, and my whole face has shifted. So he hit me with the overhand right um, when I jumped into a hook and shattered my orbital in three spots. And he knocked the fat from the back of my eyeball off. So fortunately, I didn't have to get a plate in my eye now, but I do have to get surgery later on in life um, to restore the fat back up, I guess, um, because I could lose my vision later on. And that's going to be on my dime. So that's freaking beautiful. So 
So like that's just I'm just hammering home the point with like the fighters and just we're just underpaid and it's terrible. But like I said, instead of being a victim, you have to adapt and pivot and do what you can do. So I um got my face shattered. I ate 30 elbows afterwards also. So I'm in the corner and I'm like curled now. And uh, at this point, my thumb was dislocated, ripped off my hand and my face is shattered and I'm a bit buzzed, but I'm not knocked out. And I couldn't wrestle anymore. I was like, okay, like I, I, I lost this fight. So I'm curled up and the refs in Montana are known for letting fights go. So they let him rain like 30, closer to 40 elbows to the back of my head and like right here. And like, I mean, like elbows, like full on right hands, wham, just going. And I remember, uh, I remember them telling me before the fight, like, hey, they're going to let the fight go. So when you hurt him, don't rush the finish, he'll gas. And I remember being there and just getting thudded and being like, oh shit, that voice came back in my head. I was like, I'm on the opposite end of this one now. And so it's just, I was just counting in my head. And I was like, holy shit, like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, all the way up to 30. Um, and so after the fight, I had the worst concussion of my life, worst concussion of my life. I also got screwed on flights home. Uh, I had to fly home. You're never supposed to fly with like concussion, shattered orbital, um, the pressure in the brain. They had no rental cars. I had nowhere to stay. And unfortunately, uh, my best friend's cousin passed away and was in the hospital at the time. And we had to go home and see him. He passed away on the flight over. And so it was like, I had to get home. So I did fly. That was like a whole nother 24 hours of just spins and pressure and dizziness after. And yeah, I was, uh, I was pretty fucked up just being honest and, uh, already had a few concussions prior and very aware of CTE. And I played football before that. And I, you know, one of my, the only fear I ever had of fighting is the uh, brain after I don't care about anything else. I don't care about my body being mush. I just had labrum surgery. The shoulder is always in pain. That's fine. I can deal with all that. But if I don't have my thoughts, if I don't have my intellect or, you know, I, I, you don't have Vance. And that's sad for my family. That's sad for my girlfriend. That's sad for anyone that I have to show up and be present in their life. And how can I be a positive influence on the world when I need to be taken care of? So that's the only fear I ever have with fighting is brain health. So with that, I've combated it with studying the brain, studying the brain. So while I was concussed, I decided to take all my concussion protocols and notes and compile it into an ebook. And I just wanted it for me and my friends. And I eventually just gave it out for free because there was a lot of good info on it. Um, and in the ebook, I read about methylene blue, but I never, never put it in the ebook um, while I was doing my research. And I sent my ebook off to my friend Wes Collins in San Diego. He's a biohacker, performance guy, works with a lot of surfers. And he goes, Hey, uh, you heard of methylene blue? I said, Dude, I read into it, but I didn't throw it in the ebook. He was like, You should go read into it again. So I think I did like an eight hour stint of just researching methylene blue because of how profound it is. And you start getting into the research a little bit and it's, okay, it's neuroprotective. You're like, cool. Oh, it's, you know, it's antidepressant. Okay. All right. And oh, it's, uh, you know, it, they use it if you overdose on cyanide and monoxide poisoning. It's anti, uh, it's an anti-malaria medication and it kills parasites and it's antibacterial and it's shown to improve short-term and long-term memory. And they have an ongoing clinical trial for Alzheimer's. And you're like, snake oil. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're the biggest skeptic ever. So I started deep diving it. And the whole entire time, I had no belief in this compound. I said, dude, I've, I've, I've supplemented and experimented so much. I know what works. I know what doesn't. Nothing could be this powerful. But I'm concussed as can be. I have the spins. I'm dizzy. I'm depressed. Um, you know, I, I can't put together a, a long uh, list of thoughts. I'm all over the place. And I said, you know what? Gotta try it. You know, and Wes, I trust him. So, you know, it was a no brainer, literally in the situation. I was like, let's go ahead and try it. 
And uh, I eventually made a batch up in my kitchen. I still to this day have the jar and I still to this day do not. Oh, I have the jar right here. Look at that. So I made it up in a little coconut uh, probiotic jar and uh, blended it. And I don't know what the dose is per, uh, per drop in that at all, but I think I got it right. So I did my first dose and um, 20 minutes later, I, I have this like feeling. I don't know what it is. I'm just clear. And I'm like, what the hell? You know, you, you kind of catch, it's not a coffee buzz, but it's like your lows just kind of came up. Your highs didn't go up. You didn't, you're not stimulated, but your lows come up. And I remember sitting there just kind of like, okay, maybe it's this, what's going on here? And I felt good. And so I went throughout my day and I, you know, you start to get accustomed to the feeling it's your new normal. And I was blown away a little bit though. When I look back at the end of the day, I was like, I think that stuff worked. So then I started, you know, taking it twice a day. So I was doing five milligram doses, I think twice a day. And I was starting to notice benefits right off the bat. And so after three days of taking it or two or three days, I went from laying down and anytime I brought my head back, like, boom, the room would spin, like, like very aggressively spin. And, um, you know, just depressed, no energy, low mood to like, my spins were gone in two days. I, I was like, okay, what the heck? It's been about 10 days since I fought and I'm on keto and I'm supplementing with 90 things. And so maybe it's all that with a little bit of the methylene blue. And I kept going and taking it and taking it and taking it. And about two weeks after my fight, I was 100%, I felt like. Two weeks after taking Methylene Blue. So almost three weeks post-fight. And I'm like, okay, like, I thought this was going to be way worse. Like, my my brain feels normal. I feel perfect now. And my hand is still healing because it's ripped off and, or my thumb. And my orbital's still shattered. But my brain feels good. And then it was about another two weeks later. And I 100% realized I feel better than before I fought. And I can put together thoughts and I'm able to communicate a little bit better. I'm remembering shit and I'm so clear headed. I have no brain fog and I have no fatigue. And I'm like, this isn't the keto diet. This isn't this or that. I already broke that. This wasn't concussion recovery. This is that that fucking blue stuff I made in my kitchen. This is ridiculous. And I started deep diving it more and more and more and learning how it actually works, like the mechanism behind it and the, um, like the actual cellular function and what's going on. And then started to understand it. And then now it's like, wow, I was like fully blown away and 100% believe like this compound saved my brain. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So that's how I got, uh, came across rather methylene blue. Yeah, that's, that's powerful, <laughs> man. I mean, I, I love hearing this story, especially because I got in this through concussions as, as well. And I, actually, now that you mentioned it too, I didn't even think, because I, I got on a plane, like a transatlantic flight <laughs> Um, and change time zones like a week after. And yeah, man, that, that was so bad. So mm -hmm. I totally resonate with that. But unfortunately for me, I didn't find methylene blue until like years later, <laughs> but it's so true because, or it, it just resonates with me because the, the feeling and you, you just feel so helpless. And then, I mean, at least you were on top of things with like keto and, and, and your protocol, mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I found out about methylene blue just years ago in the biohacker space. And it's like, yeah, it's good for your mitochondria. I tried it. I felt good. And then I kind of like never bought it <laughs> again. And then this past year, yeah, I took that deep dive too. And it's like, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you look at the research, it's the first, you know, synthetic medicine ever right. used, you know, so many other medicines have been derived from it, like chloroquine and then hydroxychloroquine. So then it's like, oh, wow, no, no surprise. It's good for COVID. And maybe <laughs> we can talk about that a little bit. But 
yeah, it's just the track record is so profound, right? right. Like it's, it, it's, it's so, you know, 1800s. And then now it's really exciting because there's all this new research coming out about, yeah, some of the neuroprotective stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating for me. Um, but then it makes you think, right? It's like, wow, there's this great compound. It's low cost. Mm-hmm. It's accessible. It's been around proven track record, WHO, list of essential medicines in every hospital. Why has no one outside of biohackers and health freaks heard Mm -hmm. of it? Like, why has no one heard of it? Because big pharma can't patent (laughs) it. That's why. So it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy, but yeah, maybe, maybe we could talk a little bit about like the mechanism and kind of like the dosing and, and, and some of the specific benefits, because I think it's super fascinating and I know we both geek out on that. So yeah, give us, give us a lowdown. Um, a hundred percent. You're, you're right on everything. It was the first synthetic drug. Um, so modern day they use it for like, uh, it's called methemoglobinemia or methoglobinemia. Right. And that's when you, you know, let's say if you overdose on monoxide poisoning and you cannot convert or get oxygen to the red blood cells. So you can't convert, I believe it's heme iron over and you basically become anemic. Um, also with a massive oxidative stress of let's say cyanide or monoxide, I mean, carbon monoxide poisoning, um, methylene blue will get in there, combat the oxidative stress because it's a powerful antioxidant, but then it also helps the oxygenation of the cells again. So it will actually reverse that. So they keep it on deck. It's in every emergency room or it should be in every emergency room. Cause like you said, it's the WHO listed as essential medicine and they will use it to reverse all that, but they'll do it in a big dose. So they'll use about, you know, they can go up to like five milligrams per kilogram. So you got to think if you're a 70 kilogram male, you know, they could be shooting you up with like 300 milligrams of an IV push. Um, when you get to that high of a dose, uh, the safety one isn't as great. Obviously, um, anything high dose, vitamin C, even the safety is never going to be great high dose. But then two, it actually you lose a lot of the antioxidant benefits because you get too much of it going on and the body has to get rid of it. And acts as an oxidative stressor. So low-dose methylene blue, so instead of 5 milligrams per kilogram, but we're talking 5 milligrams orally, you're going to get all these crazy benefits. So the reason why it can give you antidepressant effects and cognition boost and be anti-parasitic and all of the things across the board, you know, it's going to get in on the cell and it's going to help the basic energy production on the molecular level that your body needs to do every single enzymatic function or any function in the body. So you got to think digesting food, thinking neurons firing, like converting T3 and T4, all that takes energy. And there's a currency in your body. The main currency that everyone talks about is ATP. And that is made in the mitochondria of the cell. ATP is made in the mitochondria. Well, let's, let's, let's get into it pretty deep. Um, it's as simple as possible. Okay. Mitochondria looks like a purse inside of a purse. Okay. So you have a cell membrane on the outside and then you have a little of space and you have a whole nother cell membrane on the inside. On the inside cell membrane on the inside along the wall, there are a ton of these um, enzymes and this is the electron transport chain. So it'll be four enzymes and they're compact and it's phase one, two, three, and four. And then on the end of that, you'll have the fifth phase of it, which is the ATP synthase phase. So What goes on is you eat food, okay? So let's say you eat um, proteins, fats, carbs. They're going to get converted into pyruvate 
or they're going to get converted into acetyl-CoA. And those two things are going to go through the Krebs cycle. After they go through the Krebs cycle, you're going to get NADH and I believe it's FADH2. And then those are going to be used by the electron transport chain. So what's going to happen now is the electron transport chain is going to take them and they're going to grab electrons from them and they're going to shuttle them back and forth. And what happens is they start to harvest the energy from the electrons. And this is where you start to realize, oh shit, we are chemical creatures and we know how powerful it is when we add a chemical in our body, nicotine, caffeine, THC, but we're also electrical creatures because everything we're doing is electrical at the fundamental level. And I would argue we're more so electrical creatures than chemical creatures. And you guys just had Rob on. And this is where Rob and I go hand in hand with the methylene blue and the grounding. Um, because we do kind of, we act on the same molecular level um, in different ways. So you have the electron transport chain. They're shuttling electrons and they're harvesting that energy and they're pushing protons in and out of the cell membrane. So the electron transport chain will push them out, which I believe is phase one, three, and four. And then when the protons come back in, they come through that fifth phase, the ATP synthase phase, and they're going to push on it. And actually it's a mechanical kind of motion that happens and it harvests the energy. And then that takes uh, adenodiphosphate and turns it into adenotriphosphate, which is the body's energy currency. Also phase four, it's going to take hydrogen and the oxygen molecules, put them together, and it's going to make molecular water or a mitochondrial water rather. There's an argument that possibly our body's energy currency isn't ATP. It's actually mitochondrial water. That's a whole nother rabbit hole. And from my understanding, they kind of both do the same thing. They both can carry a charge. And so they can both be used as currency. Maybe it's both of them. I'm not sure. But that is a, that's a fun rabbit hole and a whole nother podcast to go through. Now, in the modern day that we live, you're going to have a ton of environmental stressors. Okay, We have shit water. We have shit food. We have no minerals in the soil. We are spraying chemicals in the air. We're putting it on our body. We're wearing plastics. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. We have non-native EMFs, you know, anything that could be an oxidative stress or even artificial blue light. Um, They're so common, but they're not normal, right? And so our body has to handle all this. Now we're starting to see what happens when it goes to the extreme and it's years and years and years of this going on. And we're seeing a ton of mitochondrial damage modern day. Diseases on the rise right now, massively. Neurological diseases are on the rise. And it makes sense too, because your brain uses neurons in the mitochondria a little bit different than the rest of the body as well. It uses more of it. And so when you have mitochondrial damage from you know environmental stresses and toxins, or even you're just stressed or whatever it may be, that is going to show up as disease, most likely neurological as well. And so methylene blue comes in now. It gets all the way down in the cell and it's a powerful redox agent, meaning it can donate and accept electrons. So what happens is you have the wall and all these enzymes and the mitochondria is damaged. And now the electrons aren't being transported correctly. So you're having a little bit of slippage. So you're not getting all the energy that you need to produce adenotriphosphate. And then you're not producing the body's energy currency. And so you're getting cellular death and you're getting impaired functions in the body. Well, methylene blue comes in and it starts grabbing those electrons that are slipping. Okay. Normally you have 0.2 to about 2% electron slippage, which is normal. And it's actually necessary to create um, reactive oxygenated species, which the body uses. But when you get like 5% or more, then those ROSs are going to go around. They're actually degrading healthy cells in the body. Methylene blue comes in, stops the slippage almost. So it grabs as many electrons as it can, and it starts shuttling it back in. And now it's helping harvest the energy. So now you're taking a cell that was damaged and not producing as much ATP and you're adding a helper in there. It's almost like a sixth hand on the line. And it's like, this guy comes in. You guys ever see Osmosis Jones, the old movie? 
it's like this buff blue dude comes in. I just I just picture him tanned, jacked, blue guy, blue tongue. And he's like, oh, give me them electrons. Like my max is 30 at a time. And he's just helping out now. So he's passing them back and forth. And these guys are like, okay, cool. We have a helping hand. More ATPs happening. Less ROS is happening. And then your body is going to start functioning better, especially the neurons. The neurons need that the most. So now you have a compound that is reversing uh, on clinical trials. It's showing to be helpful against Alzheimer's because it's getting and helping the mitochondria in the brain function better. I mean, you're, you're showing a decrease in dementia. You're showing, I mean, just profound things going on across the board. And it starts to make sense now. And it changed the way I look at a ton of things. Like, oh, maybe depression, for example, isn't something that you just catch. Maybe your body isn't handling shit properly. Like it's not producing us ATP. Your neurons aren't firing. And then you're having maybe trauma in your life and your body can't handle it because it can't even handle basic functions. And you're throwing on maybe a traumatic incident or stress in the workplace or whatever it may be. And yeah, you're depressed now. And it's not because like, oh, you had a tough life. It's because your body can't function worth shit anymore. And I think so. It's not coming in and treating depression because it's masking a symptom. It's coming in and making your body work better. And then you're able to handle more. You're more resilient as a person. So that's a very deep dive on the actual mechanics of methylene blue in the cell for the mitochondria to produce more energy. It does a lot of other things too, but now you kind of get the gist on how this thing could be so powerful through so many different like mechanistic actions. Nah, that's super, it's super fascinating. It's actually really cool to hear somebody that's really fluent in the, in the mechanistic point of view. Cause I, I feel like I understand it, but when it comes to me sort of like spilling it out on somebody else, I can't like iterate it as well as you just did. So I really appreciate that. I think our listeners are going to, you know, have a little better understanding about the mechanistic perspective, like why methylene blue does what it does versus this is just a biohacking. Mm-hmm thing, because I think that's what people look at it as. What I found interesting about methylene blue from a nervous system perspective is I myself have like a nervous system disorder background. So that's sort of like I I struggled with autoimmune small fiber neuropathy, but neuropathies in general. And then also before that years of chronic stress, um, anorexia, all these things, but it's changed my perspective learning about learning about mitochondrial health has changed my mm-hmm. perspective on pretty much every disease, whether it's mental or physical, and most of the times both. Because what I've found is when you talk to people with an autoimmune disorder or things like MS or nervous system disorders mm-hmm. or people with Alzheimer's, is they have all this stuff that runs up to it that all screams mitochondrial dysfunction. And it's just building Correct. blocks. And what I like about methylene blue is it sort of gives you like you said, sort of that extra hand or sort of another leg on your stool. So you might be running mm-hmm. on two stools on your thing, you can't keep balance. So this might give you that third leg to sort of get moving in the right direction because it kind of bugs me when people talk about disease. I mean, the buzzword the last several years has been has been mitochondrial dysfunction. Like every disease is mitochondrial dysfunction. But nobody ever explains yep. what that means. And I think understanding sort of this last segment we did on, on how... Uh, methylene blue specifically can target mitochondrial health with the electron use and all that stuff can sort of give you an eye into like, okay, what is actually mitochondrial dysfunction? And the question then is like, why do certain people get this versus this? And that's just sort of a a more interesting nuance of like how disease manifests from like maybe the same stimulus, but it's different for everybody because of various, various factors. So it's just kind of like a cool deep dive. No. Yeah. And and you're exactly right. It's like, they, everybody wants like a one size fits all. Even when you were talking about like, uh, I mean, anything we were talking, um, 
Well, I think we were mentioning COVID mm-hmm. a little bit too. You know what I mean? Like anything's going to affect everyone very, very differently. And so everything in my head now is gas and match. So the gas is going to be the shit food, the environmental toxins. You know what I mean? Like also exactly what I just explained is the exact reason why seed oils are shit too. Because you're taking oxidized fats that are going to be, you know, used as a seed coil koi through the uh, pyruvate, I mean, not pyruvate, sorry, through the Krebs and citric acid cycle. And you're using these oxidized materials as the building block for everything. And so now you have you know, you have impaired NADH or FADH2 or whatever it may be, or you have cardiolipin of the cell, which is going to be now damaged. And that, you know, once you have these damaged building blocks and you have nothing there to help fix it, yeah, everything's going to be, you know, turn out to shit and disease is going to pop up for different people in different ways. You know, maybe they got Alzheimer, but the same person living the same life doesn't, or maybe they get something else. Maybe they get Crohn's. Then maybe they have a nervous system disorder. You know what I mean? There's so many different things. So the biggest thing though is we all have cells and they all function. Now our body's ability, you know, our redox status, like how well our cells can function or whatever it may be, those are going to vary, start varying differently. But the base mechanism thing of it, which is, you know, being an electrical creature and a chemical creature at the root level is going to be producing energy so our body can handle out the enzymatic functions it needs to. And that's all the same across. Are you interested in 100% grass-fed, grass-finished bison meat? I'm excited to be a partner with Falls Family Ranches. Based in Wyoming, Falls Family Ranches is raising high-quality bison meat the way nature intended. As a native large ruminant of North America, bison is one of the most nutrient-dense foods you can consume. If you're interested in trying out their bison boxes, use code TRISTAN, T-R-I-S-T-A-N, 10 for 10% off your first order. Yeah. And I think where people get, I'll let Tristan jump in right after this, but I think where people get lost in, in, and this is just comes from conversations I've had with people who are sick and trying to get better. And even on my own, like journey with my own stuff is like, we get lost in so many of the, the nitty gritty and we'd forget that we need to master at the very basic level, the fundamentals. And that's mm-hmm. like sun, food, grounding, like all these things, they all yep. work together. And we, we get so tight on the minute, like what's the boogeyman. And then you go online and you find people in these different camps and then you get, you get sucked into the dogma. And then I think that causes just a disservice because you're so focused on the minute that you forget that you've never even mastered the basic mechanics of what good mitochondria need to be healthy. Once you do that, then you can kind of get into the nitty gritty. But if you don't have a baseline, you're really just like throwing shit at a dartboard. (laughs) <laughs> and like hoping it's yeah. so it's 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 just like a it's just like a whole thing yeah 100 percent. yeah i mean i disagree that i feel like oh, in the health space a lot of people talk about mitochondria but in like trad western medicine like mm-hmm. they're all focused on on the nuclear genome which is insane but yeah even in the i guess you hear a lot about antioxidants, which is funny because like everybody knows that word. And, and that was like a really, you know, common theory of aging. It's like, you know, if we can just, if we just take more antioxidants, yep. then we just have less oxidative stress and we won't age like bam, less reactive oxygen species, reactive nitrogen species. That's the key. And it turns out that doesn't work like that. Like actually like most dietary antioxidants Mm -hmm. don't really function that well at all. We talked about that with Rob a little bit, um, which is fascinating, right? Because like grounding is is providing these free and like mobile electrons. 
Um, they're, they're not having these issues like inflammatory barricades or what have you, or yep. petri dish success that doesn't turn into real success in, in the body with, you know, dietary supplements and antioxidants. Um, which again is to no surprise, uh, because, you know, your body's a lot more complex than that. And it's something you probably wouldn't like really be exposed to naturally, but methylene blue it seems like, you know, is the way you're talking about it, the way Gonzalez Lima, mm-hmm. Dr. Gonzalez Lima talks about it, it's like, yeah, this electron cycler. So it's not, you know, it's, it's acting in a very unique manner um, that's providing not only like an antioxidant function, but just kind of a relief to the leakage of electrons. And yeah, it's, it's really fascinating because I'm not a fan of like <laughs> synthetic compounds at all. But, you know, this one, yeah, it took me a while to like Fact. come over and I, I'm not a fan of a lot of supplements in general, but I think the the track record and then, you know, once you dive into the science is like pretty profound. And, and I've noticed, yep. um, you know, for like hypoxia, it's fantastic, right? So like actually the most common time I take mm-hmm. methylene blue, which would only be like once or twice a week max, Um is like when I'm hiking or doing something really intense because a, you know, the oxidative stress from pushing your body like extremely hard and like a 10 to 25 mile hike is going to be increased, but then you're in a hypoxic environment and you know, that slows down the entire electron transport chain. Um, of course, and, and you're going to have more oxidative stress from just being at elevation. So then you couple those together and there's some, you know, other theories and, I, and I've heard folks talk about how methylene blue can like mm-hmm. fundamentally change the, you know, oxidative state of iron to be able to, you know, the iron sulfur centers that are in the complex yep. proteins and that can help, you know, carry more oxygen and kind of overcome like a hypoxic environment. There's not as much research on that and you kind of have to dive deeper into this to, to really see yep. how multifaceted it is. But that was one of the biggest benefits I noticed. And I'm curious from like the TBI perspective, is it all, and from my understanding, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's just an energy deficiency, right. right? And methylene blue is helping overcome that. And then also you get the benefit of kind of the serotonin mm-hmm. buildup a little bit from the MAO inhibitor. Is that, is that really the crux of like why it's so yeah, great well, exactly. for neuroprotection and to neurological you guys health? Every time I talk to someone about methylene blue, they're like, oh, tell us about it. And then they go and they just, they know everything. <laughs> like you, you just hit it spot on, dude. Like you exactly right. No, no, I love it. <laughs> sorry, sorry. But I'm curious if it's the TBI stuff, if there's anything else, because for me, you know, yep. the problem with all these things is, you know, the anti-inflammatory, they're antioxidant, yep. but like fundamentally, how are they working? And like the brain is so complex. Like you're saying, like yep. the neurons are functioning, you know, a little different energy utilization is a little different. Um, yep. is, and the, the serotonin, uh, MAO inhibiting yeah. s- stuff. I didn't really know that until, you know, this year. So I'm curious if there's anything else that, that you've noticed. And is that a concern for you? Mm-hmm. Cause that's, that's why I don't take methylene blue every day and I never will is because I'm just concerned that like, if you get used to like, even if it's a minor alteration of your neurotransmitters, I don't want to like rely on that. Cause it yes, makes me yes. feel like so good. It makes me feel safe, like mm-hmm. to be honest. And then I've talked about this and it's not a coincidence either because I've talked about this with some clinicians, practitioners like that, like 
when you're in that really sympathetic state all the time, yep. like you're just not conducive to healing. Like you're just going to be stuck in that state. And it seems like methylene blue can hit. And there's not any research proving this, um, but they, there's these receptors pretty much, you know, that, that kind of just flip on and you're just like in that stressed out state. But, um, yep. uh, you know, the neurotransmitter piece for me is, is why I don't take it every day. Yep. But it is profound, and it really just makes yeah, me no, feel I get like you. so and safe. And I'm so I, I'm on the uh, same a, boat as in a you. Weird, I don't like supplements. I don't way. like synthetic. I want to run off of like maybe caffeine and ancestral pride. That's literally it. You know what I mean? But when it came to like the situation I'm in, like I I was kind of forced to try whatever. You know what I mean? Like it it took like that dark time. Um, and what the way I I tell people now is because I literally had the idea. Well, that was the start of everything going back to Australia to tie it all the way back in is I was like, man, I'm in nutrition. Maybe I should like come together with like a health and wellness company that can help fighters and like with nutrition and like get some killer supplements that aren't normally seen that could really improve people, you know, and like cut the nonsense, cut the fillers, cut the fucking the black mold derived citric acid and shit that you don't even know about, you know, like, like really deep dive and get the cleanest supplements ever. And so I was already in motion with that, like trying to start that in my pro debut. So I had formulated a pre-workout that's like, just like great blood flow doesn't cause you to get too pumped up that you can't function because that was my, like my pain I had with pre-workouts with training was I wanted blood flow and caffeine and energy and focus, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do shit like boxing wise. It wasn't fun, like uh, functional for me. I could do it and lift and like be good for six reps, but good luck doing anything for longer than two minutes. So I was already developing that. So my game plan was win my pro fight, promote my pre-workout. And then I got my face shattered. And I was like, well, I'm not promoting my pre-workout. No one's going to drink this shit now. So, <laughs> and that's why though, when I came across methylene blue and I was like, okay, like I was doing it, I researched it saw the benefits and then it clicked like this is not a natural supplement but we're not in a natural world so our toxic overload is unnatural sometimes maybe you do have to combat that with a unnatural supplement so i would love dude i would love and this is why i tell everyone like you don't need methylene blue right away try if you're if your fundamentals aren't right and then you're like you feel like shit go get your fundamentals right and rob's like rob would be the first person i send someone to ground and sun those are the first two now let's clean your water. Now let's clean your food. That, that's pretty much the order I would go in. Because I know if you're grounding and your sunlight's good, then your circadian rhythm's probably going to be good. You're probably going to get tired on time. You're probably going to wake up with the sun. And then water is the easiest thing to tackle next. Get clean water. Make sure it's deuterium depleted. You know, Make sure it's if you can get structured water, even better. You can structure water with a, uh, a hand frother as well, from what, I've, um, from what I'm learning. And we can get in structure a lot of water later, but like that's just water that holds a charge. So it, it's going to work in the cell. Um, and then it's actually going to make the electron transport chain work better because of the polarity of the charge. But those are the things that I think everyone should get on first. And then if you have a deficiency for whatever reason, like in modern day, we're going to have a ton of mineral deficiencies. It's not in the soil and you're not drinking clean water, right? So I recently, I mean, through like soul bra really was like when I hit my big switch where I was like, holy shit, minerals are more important than like micronutrients are more important than macronutrients now because you're going to eat, right? So your macros like here and there, cool, but like you're never going to eat and get your micronutrients unless you focus on it. So you need to focus on your mineral intake. And why is that important? Well, every enzymatic function in your body requires minerals, right? And every neurotransmitter requires minerals. So GABA, your calming neurotransmitter is directly linked to zinc. 
So if you have a zinc deficiency, you're probably going to be a little aggro and your neurotransmitters aren't going to be functioning. You're probably going to have like some disorder. And really it's like most of the time it's a basic fundamental, like, like mineral deficiency, minerals, like you, which we're supposed to have in our food and our water and we don't. And it makes me look around and like, dude, I just go places now and like not to be vain, but people don't look healthy. People don't look good. You know, you guys look fucking amazing. dude. I'm looking at you. I'm like, these are some healthy ass chads right here. This is good. You know, <laughs> other than that, I'm going to go to Sprouts later and it's I'm like overweight bags under the eyes, balding. Like what is going on, dude? Like I look around, I'm like, this is like, we look like fucking lab experiments and I'm going to see some blue haired girl fucking flipping out and I'm gonna be like, boom, zinc deficiency right there. Get clean water. What are you doing? You know? And like, I just kind of want, I see the world differently now and I want to solve the problems, but with all those unnatural things, yeah, like maybe you do need an unnatural supplement, but get your, get your foundation in order first. That's where me and Rob go hand in hand. Methylene blue reacts kind of the same way grounding does. The way I would say is grounding is like charging your battery, right? In your cell phone. And maybe if your battery is damaged, maybe it's time to get a new battery in the phone. And that's what kind of methylene blue does. And so that's mechanistically what I'm studying now with methylene blue is the ability to like wrap it all back up and get back to the TBI and everything. We used to think apoptosis happened, which, which was a cell, cellular death when the cell membrane broke. And that was that, but they're starting to have some literature showing that when the cell membrane breaks, it can actually repair and rebuild, and then it can actually heal itself. So if you have mitochondrial dysfunction, um, one of the things I guess that could happen right now, and I need to understand it more, is the cell wall can break, that apoptosis. And this might be where ROS does come in because it degrades cell, um, cellular membranes, things like that. So if it breaks and then it rebuilds, and then for some reason that healing effect happens, kind of like I would say muscles or bones or anything. Um, and it's fascinating to me. So what I would recommend everyone to do if you're doing methylene blue is exactly like what Tristan said. Do not get hooked on anything ever. I prescribe it if I'm going to prescribe it. And I'm not a doctor and it's not medical advice. So don't fucking sue me. But if you have anything that's ever happened or you just want to start methylene blue, get everything in right first. And then you should do low dose, massively low dose only methylene blue for maybe two to three months and then stop. Because anecdotally, I noticed what I did was hit it hard for two, three months, got those benefits and everything. And then I took a break. And when I took that break, like I noticed the benefits carried on. And then now modern day, I use it if I need a little zip, like a podcast. So my tongue's blue right now. But if I wanted to do methylene blue, it's going to be when I'm sick, I'm insulted in some way. I'm overtrained, hypoxia, I'm going on a hike, which is funny you said that because we go up to Duck Creek, Utah, and we train. Um, I think it's like eight, 9,000 feet where our cabin is. And I usually get altitude sickness every single time. Like first day, my I look at my arm, my veins are like little needles. And then I get sick that night. And so I combat it with like water electrolytes. But last time we went up there, I was taking methylene blue and it didn't happen. And it just clicked right now. You know, I'm, I'm going too deep. Sometimes I forget like the surface level stuff. But yeah, I would recommend. It's a superpower for elevation, dude. I'm telling you. I mean, I've, I've been at like literally the last Ooh. hike I did, I got to like 13,000 feet and nothing Insane. like i just felt fine i felt good and yeah i mean it's yeah. it's wild like that and raw honey and yeah. like i could hike i could hike anything like yep. all day long it's 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 legit and then you just don't feel like that hangover afterwards from uh yeah and know, dude, being I, I didn't elevation. even realize that, it but i did it last time and i didn't have any negative effect and we were running we were doing like training camp stuff and i felt good and i was like oh i'm just in shape i didn't even think like maybe it is a methylene blue so yeah, that's pretty. 
just so I'm curious for the training before uh, Ryan jumps is like, do you take this? Like, how do you take it in regards to training? Because I have seen, well, I've heard Gonzalez Lima mm-hmm. say that you could take it prophylactically for TBI. Basically, the sooner you take it, or even better, like if you take it beforehand, uh, some, you know, brain right. injury could be really beneficial. So mm-hmm. do you take it like pre-fight match day always? Or um, what's your yeah, kind of stance on that? Yeah, I definitely will have it. The that, cool thing is it lasts your system a bit. So I'll take it in the mornings um, on big training days. Sparring days, every time I spar, it's the same with creatine. You want to front load it for sure, and then you want to back load it. So creatine is massive for TBI as well, like extremely, extremely massive. The reduction in brain damage mm-hmm. when you have like five to ten milligrams of creatine in your system is huge. Um, and they've shown that time and time and time again. I do the same exact thing with that. Um, I was first reading about it and noticed it was a nitric oxide uh, scavenger. So we'll go in and scavenge nitric oxide. So I used to tell people don't take it around workout times, but it's mechanistically, it's not as easy as it's a micro, uh, I mean, a nitric oxide scavenger. It's actually the way the body, when it, it absorbs oxygen, usually through the mitochondria. And if it's not impaired, then basically it won't scavenge nitric oxide. So it was a deep rabbit hole and nitric oxide is not as simple as people make it sound to be. Yeah. No, it's, I was about to say that there's like three different forms and, and there's a couple that, you know, reactive nitrogen species in general, like nitric oxide is, you'd argue it's probably like net, it oh, can yeah, be net negative in a lot of that. different forms. Dude, was, so, uh, yeah, it's, Grim that's Hood a confusing one. Tweeted me, dude. Yeah. And Grim, everyone knows Grim Hood on Twitter and like, he's like the, you know, like, dude, I'm, I he's don't get it. Me, like, so I don't even he's know. fucking angry. So I post <laughs> him about that. I was like, oh, unpopular opinion. Like nitric oxide is a uh, free radical. And it could, you know, it could be damaging long term if it's highly elevated. And he was like, "Don't go out in the sun." Then and I was like, "Blah blah 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 blah." Like you know, yeah, that's you know, a different form. You know, it's it's yeah, you know, yeah. people you can't paint things with a broad brush. It doesn't work. But um, mm-hmm. that's a good point, and that's cool. I didn't know that. So because I've been, I want to get into some fighting, yeah. whether it's jujitsu, I don't know, but like with the history yeah. of concussions like I've just, and injuries in general. I've just been apprehensive. But now I, I'm thinking about for sure doing it. And it's like, yeah, I now have this foundational knowledge that it's like I can be proactive about things. And if something does happen, you know, yeah. I got the whole book on what to do and how to recover optimally. And then I'm not tied to anything like that I could take time off if I need to. So that's just, I wanted yep. to kind of wrap that up in the TBI space. Massive to me too. You played football, important right? to me for sure. Soccer. Oh yeah, exactly. So I'm soccer, like, soccer same, in college. Exactly, dude. Yeah. I, I didn't think about that until I saw that study. It was like, oh, <laughs> soccer players with CT. I'm like, how the hell? And I'm like, oh, headers, dude. Lot, it depends on the position, you know. I was center of yeah. the field, like defender. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Ryan, but, did you play sports see, too? See, I played golf, so like I fucking money. I was like, I, I just, I, I'd throw out my thumb or something, or my wrist would be tweaked, or <laughs> my. Uh, you, dude, I'm shocked actually how many people. I mean, it's more common now, I think, because golfers. So I should say some golfers, so the best golfers do actually train for their sport now. Whereas like, I think yeah. pre 2000s, I think it was actually Tiger Woods that really made training in golf common because pre 2000s, mm-hmm. really, you could just kind of be a gumpy guy, go out in the field and like shoot 10 under or whatever and still be good because it's all in the hips, 
from Happy Gilmore. Yeah. But um, but uh, I mean, I'm I'm shocked at the number of injuries that pro golfers get, like back injuries, which kind of makes sense because you put a lot of torque on the spine and stuff like that. So uh, disc issues yeah. are pretty common. Knee injuries, are, knee injuries are pretty common. Um, and so for me, like, I mean, part of my issue was like I too was like dealing with. I mean, I've done so much stuff to my body that has nothing to do with sports, though. Just like, just like mm-hmm. overtraining and just not optimizing recovery at all. Um, and I yeah. think that was just because I was going with bro science for so many years. But, um, yeah. But uh, I like, like Tristan was saying, like he has a lot of repetitive strain injuries. Like I have the same issue where, like, I'll do something and it'll just like aggravate something up. And now that I understand sort of like the mechanics of like how to optimize like the mitochondrial stuff. It, it's easier to recover. And I found like for me, it was, that's why I was actually interested in hearing how methylene blue made you feel um, from an energy perspective, because I noticed too, after doing it, I want, it won't be like caffeine. And this is what I wanted to, and you already talked about, so we don't have to dive into it too much, but it won't be like caffeine, but it's, it's like something happened and you just yeah. feel like everything's good. Like everything's going to yeah. be good in the day. One thing I did want to ask you though, is like, we were just sort of talking about how you take it and like optimization with taking it and like low dose and all that stuff. I've always been told, mm-hmm. at least in my case, to take it like upon rising. But is there like is there like an optimized protocol for taking it just for regular mitochondrial function? Uh, just like improve that versus like doing it with sports or like before going hiking or anything like that. Is there a different protocol for like timing? I would just tell people to take it in the morning. I think if we really try to optimize like the actual time to take it, we're going to split hairs because um, it's in your system for a little bit longer than 24 hours too. So it can build. And that's why I also tell people like after a bottle, maybe take three days off or five days off. But I mean, I ran it pretty heavy for like three months and I was doing twice a day. Um, so I think if you're just looking to take methylene blue just to optimize your mitochondrial health, taking five to 10 milligrams in the morning, you'll be good to go. Literally wake up, take it, go about your day. Cause that's when you're going to start noticing like the little like zip in your step, you know, in the morning, it doesn't really go down or anything like that. Sorry if my dog's barking. I just got a brand new puppy. He's a fucking little shit, dude. Little shit. <laughs> but, um, so, uh, yeah, I would just take it in the morning, just be safe. The cool thing is at low doses, high safety profile, but if you're on SSRIs, that is the only time or MAOI inhibitors, uh, you need to be kind of careful the studies do show that you can get a, a syndrome called serotonin syndrome. I was actually um, going to ask you about usually- that next because my girlfriend has yeah. on a lot of those. And so we would talk about it, but mm-hmm. we've been kind of abrasive to doing any of that for that exact reason. So maybe you could just say like, yeah. uh, talk about like what that serotonin uh, syndrome is and then why yep. methylene blue may be like, you might want to be hesitant. Yeah, it, it sounds like uh, you're just going to turn into the Joker and laugh a bunch and then die. <laughs> no, it's a it's a it's a serious thing. It can be reversed, but it can be fatal as well. Um, and it has to do with the serotonin receptors. It's also the same mechanism, like or the reason why. It's weird. I notice people who take mushrooms, SSRIs will kind of block the psychedelic effect of, of medicinal mushrooms, right? But if you take methylene blue with a gram of mushies, be prepared because it is like it like trifolds the effect of uh, some psychedelics. So it's pretty crazy. So mechanistically, I don't know why it would improve mushrooms, but SSRIs would stop it. That's something that's going to be a fun rabbit hole one night at 2 a.m. And I'm a deep, deep, deep dive. Maybe before our combo Thursday, Tristan, Ryan, you're invited too. We could get into that because I was, yeah, I love talking about the mushies. Um, But 
for people who are on SSRIs, it is duly noted that you should probably be off of them before. I mean, 100% from my standpoint, I can't tell you what to do. I'm not a doctor, right? Like legally and also morally, I have to let you know that. I would never do that with that. Like with SSRIs, take methylene blue in any way. However, my mother is on SSRIs. Uh, she's been depressed for a while. And it's funny because she suffered a huge traumatic brain injury. Uh, she had a basketball hoop that was all the way up and the pin came out, smacked her and cracked her skull. Um, truly never been the same since. Like really, really affected her. And uh, she's on SSRIs and she's been on medication her whole life. Uh, benzos as well for anxiety, like all this stuff. And we're trying to get her off it all. And I was doing the research and I felt confident enough from my mother. And this is me and my mom. So obviously take this with a grain of salt. And I was like, yo, um, start taking methylene blue and start lowering your dose SSRIs at the same time. And so while she was doing that, we've had no negative side effects whatsoever. She's, it's been easier for her to lower her SSRIs and to be taking the methylene blue at the same time. But in an ideal world, I do not recommend that. I just noticed with her while we were trying to get her off SSRIs, like it wasn't working. Like we weren't getting her off of it. And I can't see my mom like that. I was like, you know what? Like in my pain, I needed to throw something at me and her pain. I'm like, we're going to throw something at you and see. So we did very low dose. We started out with like less than a milligram and worked up. And I think she does five milligrams now a day. And she's still on her SSRI. We take breaks every three days just to make sure that there's no buildup. Um, and we watch it, you know, and I saw actually speaking of Grim Hood, he, uh, He's making fun of someone like normal, but someone who was taking a, uh, they took a whole gram of methylene blue, dude, whole gram. And he was like, yeah, just don't take anything with serotonin and stuff. You'll probably be fine. I was like, holy shit. The guy didn't know. He just ordered online, mixed a gram in the powder and then read the instructions after. And I was like, God, it's those guys that kind of ruin it for everyone. But at the same time, dude, like, like, did you, could you see the future? <laughs> like what happened? Well, I mean, dude, like you're saying, though, well, that's the interesting part. And I think you, you have to be careful reading all the studies because the upper threshold and just going back to the dosing, because I think this is really important for people, because if you read the research, it will say five yep. milligrams per kilogram is the threshold for when that antioxidant capability has diminishing returns yeah. and becomes more pro-oxidant. But at those higher dosages, that's where you start getting more of these like anti-malarial and mm -hmm. anti-parasitic and anti-fungal effects because it's just yep. more concentration, right? So it's like, because that's people are like, well, how could yep. it be all these things? Well, the dose, exactly. that's what matters. So that guy probably just gave himself, you know, a, I mean, five, eight, so let's say he weighed yep. like 75 kilograms. He's still like, he's just above the threshold. Like, he's really not even that um, much higher than that oh, he threshold. Doubled so he doubled it. That's like, <laughs> yeah, he doubled it. He doubled it. Yeah, but I tweeted still, it. It's, uh, I tweeted it and I said, it's a lot, but you know, it's a good compound yep. to fuck up on because like, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> you're not, you know, it's not like a psychedelic or like something that's just going to like, you know, make your heart race after a certain dose. But I think that context is like probably for me, like the most important thing uh, especially, you know, mm -hmm. taking it and like what you said with your mom, it's like, just start, start yeah. with one drop, like straight up, like just start with one drop, uh, and, and see how you feel. My question is, do you always mix it in water? Go right under the tongue? Like, oh, it tastes ah. like shit. Just yeah. <laughs> as a fair warning to anyone who's never tried it. 
I go yeah. right under the tongue because yeah. I think you just get better mm-hmm. absorption, of course, and drinking water. I guess you could I will put say it in water this. and then if you put, put it in water, it's not it there, the taste but, isn't as bad. But I don't yeah. think, like you said, you get the absorption as well. No, I don't think the right. absorption's as good. So I'm curious what you what you do yeah. with your recommendation. Well, that's what I meant. Is. I'm sticking my tongue out. My tongue's like. As blue, I saw. Yeah, yeah I though I'm, yeah. I'm bad. Dude. I do like shilajit lollipops. I eat raw liver and like, I think raw liver is like the the line for me is where I mix it with OJ after. Like I shoot it with OJ, so I don't mind taste. I I want performance. Yeah, neither do I. Exactly. Yeah. So, but yeah. um, the best way to take it, I mean, all oral, you're, it's so it, the the efficiency of your absorption is high. It's very, very, very high. So you could take it, mix it in water, or you could do it on your tongue. Yeah, you're gonna absorb a little bit better, but like you're still gonna get that in your system, you know? Um Yeah. My understanding is like if you do more under the tongue, it's just gonna be better for your yeah. brain as compared to like if you just swallow it all, like Correct. it might help your gut and then um uh, yep. like your urinary yeah. tract. Um Yeah, no, so stuff. you're you're right on the money with that for sure. But if you do any oral and it's like it's gonna coat your tongue even if you put it in water. So you gotta know that it's getting digested. It's going there. You're having yeah. a systemic effect. If you if you really care about taste, um, I would do the straw method where you just get a straw and suck it up there, buttercup. But <laughs> I would <laughs> I'd mix it, I'd mix it with OJ. That's the best thing for taste. It's gonna reduce the blue first off because the vitamin C, the ascorbic acid plays with the redox ability of methylene blue and reduces the blue mm. color. And then two, the flavor is almost gone. So that's the easiest way to do it. Water second, if you want to see like that cool portal looking thing. Noah Ryan tweeted it. Um, he dripped it in water. I was like, oh, it's a portal. I was like, man, that's beautiful. Lastly, you could just do it straight in the mouth. Under the tongue's beautiful. Just don't hit your teeth because you're going to have blue teeth for about six hours and it's not pretty. So you got to get good at aiming for the back of the throat. But yeah, that's the way I take it. Um, and then, yeah, like you were saying on the studies, though, like, um, I, f- I forgot to mention, like, high dose is very, you know, it's efficacious in, like, Lyme's and sing- things like that. And those are the people, like, Lyme's disease, you could go and get an IV push of this. Like, you could do IV pushes of this and start to combat that because, um, like, malaria is a parasitic infection and everything. So that's how it, like, it's going and it's wiping it out for sure. However, I think 95% of the time, even if you have limes or long haul COVID for sure, long haul COVID, like just take it orally low dose. Like maybe you won't get a benefit in a full month of being clear, but maybe it takes two months. You know what I mean? But you're not risking shit. Don't risk it. And then you're going to get the neurological benefits. You're going to get the brain benefits, you know? So just go low dose. Like that's my, that's my opinion on it all. Like when I'm done fighting, I'm for sure going to play with a lot of the peptides. Like I want to be on some peppy. Like, dude, Tristan, you're a broad looking man. Dude. I'm trying to look like you. All right. I've been cutting weight my whole life. I'm skinny. I'm shredded, but I'm skinny, you know? So I want to get on some, but I wouldn't do roids. I would do like the the smaller, slower return on gains, like peptides, but that aren't high risk or high, you know, like danger profiles. So yeah, that's a good, that, I wanted to get into the performance aspect. So, because I'm assuming, you know, peptides are, peptides yeah, are banned by water. That's why you can't use a methylene blue. I'm yeah. assuming it's not. Um, have you like been communicating this to other fighters? Like, how do you realize, how do you see your performance change? Because for me, like I said, I, like I, mm-hmm. when I run or something, like I just, the ability to go longer, you know, you have more sustained energy. I, I think yep. it's real, like 100%, especially in like hypoxic environments. Like I said, do you see that as well? Do you think like a lot of people should be, you know, more open to this? What do yeah. your fellow fighters say? 
are you fearful that this will ever get I am banned? very fearful of that, but for other reasons. But um, yeah, all my teammates, okay. <laughs> well, like for performance wise and stuff, um, definitely it's going to help. It's going to give you a little bit of edge, but I don't, I mean, you notice a lot, but you're also dealing with like high altitude environments. So I think definitely like my last fight was in Idaho Falls. So we went up like another 2000 feet from Vegas and I didn't notice like, yeah, I didn't notice elevation at all. So it's definitely something I'm communicating, but my main focus isn't like performance of this thing. My main focus on methylene blue is disease prevention, brain health, things like that. So my goal by next year is to be in conversations with UFC, NFL, anything like that and promoting this medicinally. So of my company, like, yes, we sell it and we offer and everything like that, but it's a company. It's a business. Don't get me wrong. But we give out so much for free. We give out so much for free. I got to give it to my friend Bree. We actually drop in the video soon because she just got cleared of radiation. She's in remission of breast cancer. But during her chemo, the whole entire time, we were giving her methylene blue and she felt amazing. So like that for me is more, I mean, there, there's no better reward. You couldn't pay me enough to get that same exact reaction or that feeling that I got when she texted me. It was like, yo, just so you know, when I take methylene blue, like I can get off the couch on chemo days. And she's a single mother. So I've been shipping it out to people like for free on my dime, like a ton already. So my goal is to be able to find a way, find a way to get this into the NFL or like even just in the conversation so that guys are aware of it, you know, and start spreading the word that way. And um, performance wise, cool. But like my buddy Victor, he got flashed. Um, before, like it was like s- nine days before his pro fight. And do we load him up on methylene blue? And within two days, he was like, I have no concussion symptoms. I'm ready to go. And for me, like that was amazing because one, he didn't have to pull off his fight. So now he can make money. He can chase his dreams. But two, we're not worried as much about the brain health side of things. So no matter what performance is always going to be awesome, but disease prevention or like healing the brain and like giving people their actual lives, that's better to me than performance. Performance comes second. And I do, though, full-heartedly, like, we started the company with the uh, slogan that a healthy body will outperform a sick body 10 times out of 10. So, yeah, it is performance. But, man, I'm spreading the word, trying to get as many fighters on this ASAP um, for the brain health. And my buddy, Brendan Lochnane, he's a PFL two-time million-dollar champion. Um, he's a big name in MMA. He got into it with Dana because he went on the Contender Series, floored the guy, and Dana didn't sign him, so he got his buzz. And then he ended up going to PFL, becoming a two-time champion. So it was like, fuck you, Dana. So it's pretty cool, but he just hit me up. He, he just suffered a bad knockout. Never been knocked out. Toughest guy I know. Just fucking Manchester. Just a Brit, dude. And he uh he got knocked in his last fight, which is MMA, dude. Flew a knee, caught him, and he just hit me up. He's like, I want you know, I get, it's time to take care of my brain. And that for me, I was like, done. You know, like that's so cool because I know I don't have that big following, that big voice in MMA yet. You know, I'm not signed to a big promotion yet, but he is already. And if he goes and he's like, guys, check this out. This helped heal my brain. I highly recommend. Now we're in the conversation. So many people can get it. And I don't care if you buy from me. I don't care if you get it off Amazon, wherever the hell you get it. Make sure it's USP certified so you're not getting toxins, heavy metals, exactly. And just see if it works for you. And I promise you, like, you're going to see some benefits. Yeah, I was just going to say that's important, that USP, because there's not a lot of brands, actually. Like, that's the problem. Like, I I, I wouldn't tell people to go to Amazon because they'll buy fish tank cleaner. Yeah. Facts, yeah, facts. <laughs> There's a couple USP certified droppers on Amazon, you know. 
Yeah. Are that yeah yeah so just make make sure you guys look for that but we'll we'll link Meraki for yeah. for sure um, I think people because it's what it's a purity just difference uh, percentage wise yeah. I believe so you're allowed um, I think non USPs up to seven to ten percent of um, toxins in there for it to be called methylene blue heavy metals mm-hmm. so you're thinking cadmium arsenic lead and so you don't want to be taking that while you're trying to heal no. your body, you know? So yeah, ours, we get a lab report on every single batch we buy. So every batch I have, is because so, I have people ask me, like, can I see the lab reports? And I just shoot them off a, a, just a picture of the paper. And it shows like parts per million, like non-detectable on everything. So, and that's also why part of the reason nice. I don't buy from India no, at all. No. At all. Yeah. Because they, they'll say USP certified and it's cheaper. And you'll go and you'll get it and they have their lab tests, but third-party tests from India, like you're going to be eating a car bumper. I promise you that. So you have to get it tested again. You have yeah, I mean, to. That, and that's super big for me because actually part of my issue with my nervous system stuff was I had mercury poisoning. Um, Ooh, so my heavy yes. metals are like a big deal with me. Um, and actually mm-hmm. I had some, I had like a little issues with mold too, but that was, those exacerbate each other. So it's like a kind of a thing. But um, yeah. But yeah, for me, it's like, uh, I've, that's just such a big heavy metals are just such a big problem and they're in so much stuff. You don't yeah. realize it. Like they're in those, uh, they're in those weird microgreen powder crap that people take. They're yep. in like a bunch of stuff. They're in, there was that big thing a year or two ago about baby food. It's like, you, you really gotta, yeah. you can't trust anything without doing a little diligence. I don't think. Yep. So yeah, we're in an unnatural amount of toxins. We're surrounded by it, dude. It's in the water. It's in yeah. That's what uh, Charles Poliquin said that years ago, way ahead of his time. He was like, "You might as well chew a car bumper and then take uh, athletic or not athletic greens, but micro greens, mm-hmm. like uh, powdered greens." And I was like, "Damn, dude! Like it's fucking everything." So, and of course, it's like China, India. They don't give a fuck, dude. They're they're all making their money and they're dying, and they don't care how they leave the place after. No. So. Not all, everyone, you know what I mean, though. But they have no regulations like how we yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, actually, the one thing I was going to mention about methylene blue, too, uh, if you do get, like, the liquid form and not something like transcriptions, which is, like, those little kind of squares that you put up in your cheek or whatever, yeah. uh, is that just don't spill it. Just don't just don't spill it. <laughs> it gets everywhere, and then your mother will call you a week after you babysat their house, and they'll be like, what's this blue shit all over my, uh, mm-hmm. my wood floors and granite countertops? And I'll be like, well, it's not methylene blue, let me tell you. Cause I- yeah, no, it will stain everything. Yeah, dude, you got to think like when I was first whipping up batches at my house, oh, yeah. like before we had a manufacturer. It stayed on my hand like, for like a just solid like, week. Like, Dude, it will stain everything. I'm pretty sure I just dropped some, whatever. But yeah, no, it's like I got a, I bought Solbra shorts when they uh, the last drop, they came out and I text him. And it's funny actually, because he's uh, making, oh, I can't talk about that actually. Fuck. Okay, anyways, anyways, anyways. But um yeah they got all of my shorts and i just texted him he was like oh no and then i spilled my pre-workout on it so i got like these cool ass tie-dye shorts now but they'll stain the shit out of everything so yeah i was i i i it was one of those moments where it's like early in the morning sun just like barely peeking over the mountains i'm like okay methylene blue time <laughs> get my little dropper out and then i lose it on the black counter because i'm pretty nearsighted so i didn't have my glasses on at the time and i just like yeah. move my hand swipe it and i'm just like oh F. And then on black uh, countertop, it like blends in too. So you can't actually quite tell the extent of the stain. But anyway, apparently it's bad. And <laughs> no, yeah, you will. Yeah, you'll stain there. I've stained shirts, towels, floors, kitchen, sink. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And eventually, if you use like yeah. alcohol, yeah, peroxide, you can get it out. It just takes yeah. a hot minute. 
Oh, dude, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. It is a. It, that's how it was discovered. Actually, was they uh, they used it as a textile dye, mm-hmm. and then they used it as a medical dye. They're like, oh, this stains cells, and then they realized that uh, living cells were reacting with it, and then they realized, oh, it's killing some shit over here, and then that's where it became a. I truly believe methylene blue is probably the most amazing, like medical discovery that every that's like th- that's been around forever that nobody knows about been around forever yep. over 100 years just like nobody literally no normie would know anything about it you'd never heard of it never. exactly it's crazy yeah and it's always the joke like oh it's blue meth yeah and it's like yeah, yeah. i told my manufacturer that because he uh it's funny he used to be an fda oh and to double back on the ban that's mm-hmm. what we missed on so but my manufacturer used to be an fda consultant so this used to be a drug so the FDA is like, oof, this is like, this is not just something you can sell. If you look on my bottle, it says for research purposes only. I have to put that. If I put a serving size, if I say anything, like, yeah, it's a gun to my head. But uh, he, so he's by the book. And like it, in the beginning, he goes, I don't even want to know your company sells that. Don't even tell me. Do not tell me, you know. And then I think it was like two days ago, I got him to do methylene blue. And I was like, fuck yeah, I got him blue pill, well, baby. See, I got him blue The pill. only person that I've ever spoken to that... There's just like average Joe that actually knew anything, actually knew what anything that was, was my dad. But that's because he's worked in pharma for like 40 years. And so he had yep. heard of it, but knew nothing about it. He just had heard the name um, and like yep. over, but he works with the FDA all the time and he hates them. And it's all this, it's like a whole other topic. Yeah, dude, they're, <laughs> they're tough. But so during, so methylene blue's popularity, of course, like we know, it's like, it's not well known of, um, it's not heard of a lot. Um, the reason it got taken out of like mainstream pharmaceutical use was in World War One, everyone, every soldier in the war was administered methylene blue every day to fight malaria. And they would check this by the color of their pee. So if you peed blue or green, then they knew you're good. If not, they gave you more and more and more and more until you peed blue or green. I now am kind of deep diving and I forget who else was talking to me about this. I think it was Bowtie Eggplant on Twitter who we're having Thursday. He's the dick doctor, dude. He's fucking, yeah. That's the man right there. So we're, I got a few questions for him, but <laughs> I'm joking. So he was, uh, but he was saying that he thinks that, and I think this as well, like it has something to do with your micronutrient level, whether or not your pee will turn blue or green, because I know that interacts with ascorbic acid, for instance. So depending on if you're, maybe if your pee has a certain amount of, you know, let's say vitamin C or nitrogen or something, you know, then methylene blue is not reacting because I don't pee blue a lot. And like some people are like, oh man, I pee blue a ton. And so I kind of want to, I want to nail that down. I think it's going to take a while and a ton of variables to figure it out. But it maybe it's something that I could figure out on my own before, you know, like mainstream it gets figured out because I don't see scientists anytime soon getting a grant for studying blue pee. So yeah, or riboflavin, yeah, riboflavin will turn your pee like bright yellow, right? So if you have excess, yeah. but I know it's fascinating because yeah. like, you know, that's why they actually like use it still in Africa for malaria is because like it's a verification that it's like not a fake medicine that they're getting. It's the real deal if, you know, they're peeing yep. blue. So it's to me, it's really cool. Any any of these trials, I know like some of them, like they're trying to reformulate the compound like a little bit so they could patent it. And it's actually not working like as well for, for mm-hmm. either Alzheimer's or, or something like that. So it, to me, it's yep. just, I really like methylene blue because it's a very decentralized form of medicine. It's still like a there medicine because it goes against everything like big pharma stands for. It's low cost. 
like, you know, a bottle is not that much and you have so many servings in it because all you need to take is like five milligrams. Like it's super low cost and yep. you don't need to take it every day or you could take it every day for a month and then not take it. You know, it's, it's not, you know, something you need to take every day for your life. And yeah, that's, yep. that's what it's all about. So I think it's really cool what you're doing, Vance. It's awesome. And it's cool to see more people yeah. just getting on that foundational level of understanding of like mitochondrial health. So yeah, just mm-hmm. wrapping up here, you know, where can people find Meraki and what other products maybe do you guys have? Cause I know you, you, you've got some new ones yeah. that are pretty cool. Just give like a short, short overview of everything you guys do. Yeah. So we started with methylene blue and then I was in my kitchen and, um, I was looking at towel bombs online. I'm like, yeah, they're, they're kind of expensive. I bet you I could just make it myself, you know? And then, Boom, I had this flash of this study I just saw two days prior of methylene blue on the skin. And I was like, I'm never putting that shit on my skin because it'll be blue. And I just like had this like, oh my gosh, I'm throwing this in towel bomb right now. And three days later, we had a Meraki Moo batch in the kitchen with the, I mean, like literally we nailed it first batch. Um, we played, we tweaked, of course, with it a bit, but we added methylene blue to tallow with beeswax and coconut oil. For, originally it was olive oil, but that was kind of clogging pores a bit more. Coconut oil worked way better on most people's skin. And then we added just a nice essential oil blend that is shown to like help skin youth and longevity and like, you know, and it takes away the tallow smell. So we, uh, that's our big one right now. Uh, unfortunately, I have to preface this, like we are going on like everything we can do, but it is triple digits in Vegas. So we're getting these bottles sealed. We put them in a thermal bubble and we throw you this huge ice pack. Like it's, Profits are gone basically, but I don't care because of how cool the product is. But yeah, we're shipping tallow in the summer, but it does melt if it gets left out in a mailbox or anything like that. Then uh, we have our pre-workout coming back. I just got rid of citric acid in it. Um, well, we use citric acid, but we got a black mold-free nice. citric acid because when I found that- It's crazy, right? Oh, no, citric yeah, acid. All that. I went oh, down that rabbit hole recently. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's insane. So yeah, we uh we have to we we spend a little bit more money to like triple test everything. But yeah, the pre workout's coming back in stock. It's for people that want a little bit more, you know, like of a of a big pump or a boost or blood flow thing. We have nitrosagene, a couple of like synthetic compounds like nitrosagene, but we have mostly are beetroot and then we have a ginseng and a rose extract. Um it's called oh my gosh, I can't even think of the word right now. Senactive right there. And uh, these are all patented compounds from herbs that show to improve VO2 max, lactic threshold, everything like that. I made this just for me. I love it. And it's fucking so expensive to make. So it's not like really profitable or anything, but I'm definitely selling it. Um, And that's a cool pre-workout. And then we're working on our hair restoration formula right now, which will have shea butter, methylene blue. And then we're playing with different topical peptides like copper and uh, PTDDBM. And we want to use like, it'll be a full body mask. It'll be good for the skin, but more so if you throw it in your hair, we want to combat like androgenic alopecia and things like that. And then dude, I might make a Shilajit lollipop or something like that just to (laughs) fuck around. So I just keep making shit I would use and I love it, dude. And so, um, you can find us at MerakiMedicinal.com and Meraki Medicinal on all socials. And if you want to see me, Tristan, Ryan, and the eggplant doctor and Ben and everybody Thursdays on Twitter, that's at Vance E. And we're just going to just full tism talk shit posts in real life and shoot the shit. But I guarantee you we're going to cover a ton of science on different topics from all around, you know, and like what's really going on with like esoteric health Twitter. That's so, amazing. I appreciate yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on. I, I, I'm curious and excited about the hair restoration thing because I think it's like 
you, everything boils down to just like an energy deficit. And, you know, for me, like mm-hmm. I've noticed personally, just like getting full spectrum sunlight and you know, there are studies on like red and infrared, like light being great for like hair growth. Obviously it's great for mitochondria. You couple that with like methylene blue, like it all just makes sense, yeah. right? Like don't take finasteride. Like there's way better yes. options people, but hell yeah, that's yeah. the mindset we need. And yeah, Vance, thanks so much for coming on and, and thanks everyone for tuning in for another episode of Decentralized Radio. We'll see you next time.